called Here's the Thing. I, I love the, the topic of this series, uh, the title of this series, because it let me talk about all sorts of things, because Here's the Thing introduces all kinds of stuff. But there's some really important things that I'm, I'm hoping to share with you in this series about life. And underneath it all, Romans 14, 17, where the Apostle Paul tells us that, you know, the kingdom of God is, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And because of His righteousness, as believers, we should be experiencing in our lives a measure of peace and joy. When we're not, it's on our end. I don't mean that there's never any issues or problems, but, but we should have a, a measure of peace and joy in our lives. So sometimes we'll say, oh, well, if I, if I could just deal with this thing in my life, then everything would be all right. But what we've said is it's really usually not that thing that's a symptom of deeper things. It's the thing behind the thing. Sometimes it's the thing behind the thing behind the thing uh, that we need to deal with and ask the Lord to come into and, and help and heal and uh, help us change in those areas. So, so far in this series, we talked about unforgiveness and how that's impacting us. We talked about attitude and how that's uh, getting in the way a lot of times religion and what that means. Last week, we talked about what I called the process, which is really about sanctification. It's a churchy word, but the, the issue is, you know, we've, we've been saved when we come to Christ. We're justified. We're we will be glorified at some point. That's about eternity. But we're living in this in-between in time. Um, it, the idea is sanctification. But it's process. It's change. And we struggle here. And if we don't embrace that process, that will cause us some issues as well. This week, we're going to start a little sub-series. And we're going to talk today about how our culture impacts us in some very negative ways. I'm also going to introduce the idea of the importance of rest, biblical rest and what that means, and that most of us don't really know what that looks like, and so we need to take a, a few weeks at least to kind of cover it, and we'll, we'll look today as sort of an introduction to talk about the importance of rest, and then in, in, in time we'll talk about you know, how we apply it to our lives. So that's where we're heading today. Uh, bad joke time. Which is faster, hot or cold? Hot. Because you can catch a cold. Whew, okay. Geology rocks, but geography is where it's at. Somebody told me the last service, geology is actually not the study of rocks. That's petrology. But there you go. But it's not as funny. Anyway, I thanked him for that info. Last thing, empty police cars on the side of the road are like scarecrows for humans. You got that one. Scripture reading here on purpose. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Jesus tells us that, that, that he has rest for us. And yet, um, the problem is, I don't think that many of us experience that, that, that idea of rest in our lives. And yet, it's very, very important for us. And the, the problem that we face, I think, is that our culture is really keeping us from doing that. All of us are impacted by our culture. Uh, and, and you are, there's no way around it. The, the culture that we live in 
has a definite impact on your life. It impacts everything. It impacts, even as believers, the way that we relate to God and to one another. It's very significant. And I was trying to think of the word I would describe our culture currently with, and the word that I would, I would suggest to you is hurry. It's such a hurry. Everything is so fast-paced. Everything is now, 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 right now. Urgent, 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 fast, 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 go, go, go. And that's the culture that we live in, and it's impacting us in every area of our lives. Uh, I did a Facebook ad this week, uh, and I know a lot of you got to see it because we make sure it gets out there, and it was of uh, a microwave. And um, uh, if you on Facebook, this woman is impatiently waiting for the microwave to be finished. And I, I chuckled about that because I've said to you in the past, I said, if I were to go into some of your kitchens right now, there would be three or four seconds left on the timer on your microwave because you didn't have the patience to wait for it to finish that last few seconds. You all, you all with me on that? That happens, right? We just can't, because we're, think about it. And a microwave is making things really fast anyway, but we, it's too long for us. It's taking too long. And, and it's a picture of what our culture is doing to us. Everything's fast, fast, got to have it now. One of the byproducts of that is stress. So people are under a tremendous amount of stress, even, even in uh, uh, believers where we should be experiencing peace and joy. We, we're dealing with this stress. And the problem is God didn't design you to handle stress. He designed you to be at rest. And so stress has this amazingly negative impact on your lives. I looked up Mayo Clinic and uh, the effects of stress, the common effects of stress. Listen to this list. Headache, muscle tension or pain, chest pain, fatigue, stomach upset, sleep problems, anxiety, restlessness, lack of motivation or focus, feeling overwhelmed, sadness or depression, overeating or undereating, drug or alcohol abuse, social withdrawal, that was a list of symptoms, and, and I think it's very um, true to what happens and what many people are experiencing in our lives, and those things do not sound like peace and joy or rest. They're the opposite. And then we read the Scripture, and we think, and, and we find out that one of the main sort of ideas is this idea of rest, uh, biblical rest. And so how does that even begin to fit? Hurry and rest. Now, sometimes we'll go, well, what we'll do is we'll do this, so we'll, we'll okay, that God rest thing sounds good, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work a little God rest thing into my life, just a little bit of time. But God, what I need you to do then is I need you to recharge my battery so I can get right back into that pace of life, because that's what I'm doing all the time. And that's not how it works either. And so we, we need to look at why rest is so important, why God designed it, and then in the next few weeks we'll talk about what it really is and how we apply it to our lives. But uh, we need to dig in somewhere. So we're going to start with that. And I'll, I'll write this down, and this will make sense later. But this is important. Um, and it won't make any sense now, but it will. God is not looking for your bricks. I know it doesn't make sense now, but He will. Write that down. I want that in your mind when I get to it. God is not looking for your bricks. All right, point number one. Let my people go. Let my people go. Now, in order to get a foundation for rest... We have to go back into the Old Testament, and we have to talk about the Exodus. And the reason we have to talk about the Exodus is that the idea of the Exodus runs throughout the Scriptures. And the Exodus is about leaving bondage and slavery and going to the promised land. And when you read the Scripture, even through the New Testament, you'll see that's a common theme of what's taking place. And so the, the story of the Exodus is important for us to understand What's going on? And so we do talk about it from time to time. It wasn't that long ago I had a big discussion with you about the Exodus. 
But we're going we're gonna to tap back into it today for a moment. We're going to look at Exodus 5 in just a moment. And uh, we're going to watch something that takes place. I, I need to set it up, though. In uh, Exodus chapter 3, this is when God appears to Moses in the burning bush. Most of you will know that story. Uh, burning bush. God is speaking from a burning bush to Moses. That would catch your attention, right? And it's burning, but it's not going away. It's a burning bush. It's pretty fascinating. God is in it. He's speaking to Moses. And he says to Moses, listen, you need to go to Pharaoh. I know you've been on the run and hiding out for the last huge chunk of time, but now you need to go to Pharaoh and you need to tell him this message, let my people go. And of course, Moses, you know, does what all of us do almost initially when God sort of asks us to do something. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, no, you want me to go to that guy and do that? Not going to happen. Well, it is going to happen. But they kind of talked for a little while and Moses says, okay, so God lets him take his big brother Aaron along and I guess that makes him feel a little more comfortable. And so now they're ready to go and approach Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful person uh, sort of in the known world at that point in time. And off they go, and that's where Exodus 5 starts beginning in verse 1. Afterward, that whole encounter, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And then Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now more numerous and you're stopping them from working. And that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's, what they're, that's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Now, here's what's going on with Pharaoh, is that Pharaoh's understanding of gods, and he worships false gods, uh, not gods at all, and he himself considers himself to be a god, but their whole thing is what the gods want is work. They want production. Uh, they, uh, the Egyptian gods want more. They want more surplus. They want more cities. They want more of everything, and they want people to do the work that's required to make that happen. You even see this picture in the pyramids. Uh, the way the pyramids are designed is a picture of, you know, the gods are at the top and everything else is underneath them and, and they, everything exists to get the gods what they want. And so in Egypt, you know, it's the, it's the false gods, gods and then Pharaoh and then everything else. Uh, and so Moses comes in and says, Pharaoh, here's the deal. Uh, we had this talk with God and he wants you to let his people go so they can go and have a little feast uh, and festival in the desert for three days. And Pharaoh says, that's not a real God because gods don't throw parties for people. Gods want work. God wants production. Gods want performance. That's all they care about. In Egypt, people were only commodities. They were only there to produce work. And that's all that mattered. And Pharaoh said, there's no way I'm going to let these people go because there's no way that's really what a God would want. And, and so he said, that's not going to happen in this whole process. And so he says, get back to work. And because you've even brought it up and you think you must be lazy or something, we're not going to give you straw anymore 
to help you make your bricks, you need to now go gather the straw and continue to make the bricks that you've been required to make in this process. And you better stay up with your quota because that's all we care about is that you continue to produce at that level. And so everything in Egypt is, is about work. It's about production. It's, the, it's their culture. It's performance culture, work culture, quota culture, everything based on production. So we need to understand that. And see, even, even the laborers feel good in their slave labor. When they hit their quota, they feel good about that because they're not punished then. And that begins to be the lens that they look at everything with in their lives. Culture impacts everything, and it's all about work. And, and so when, when God brings Moses up uh, and he says, listen, you need to let his, my people go, that's what needs to happen. See, what he's saying is, look, my people weren't created to live in that environment. In that environment, they're only a commodity, and they're more than that. They have dignity, and they have worth, and they have value. And so God is entering into the story to set people free who have no rest. That's what's taking place. Secondly, point two, I, I, bought you out of, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, the exodus takes place, and the people of God are delivered from captivity and slavery and bondage. And they go through the Red Sea and they go into the wilderness. And God is with them and God's providing for them the manna and the quail and everything that they need. And, and then he has Moses come up to Mount Sinai and he gives to him what we know as the Ten Commandments, but it's really the Ten Words. There's reasons behind that, but he speaks to them these Ten Words. Now you need to understand these words are given to a people who have already been rescued and delivered and set free and are being provided for. These were never intended to be what they needed to do in order to earn anything from God. It was, it, this, these words were structuring society again so that they could know who God is and what God is all about because they'd been deceived all the time by the little g-gods of Egypt. And it's important that you understand that when he gives them these ten words, he starts with the concept I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. See, he could have started with all sorts of things. I am the Lord who loves you. I am the Lord who's, uh, you know, you, that you observe in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am the, the God of the, who created the heavens and the earth. But he didn't. He started with, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So he wants them to understand that that's the context of what's going on and that everything that he's about to tell them is about to let them know that he's brought them out of that dysfunctional culture of production and work where people are only commodities and everything is about performance. And he's shaping them into something completely different. And when you read the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, the first three are about loving God and the last six are about loving others. And there's another one, number four. Number four is all about rest. Here's the thing. If you don't understand biblical rest, you'll never love God the way you need to and you'll never love others the way you need to. Because what happens is if you get stuck in that culture of commodity and production and work, which is what our culture is like, everything's in a hurry, everything's fast, even your relationship with God will be tainted and you'll sort of see Him as someone that you need in order to accomplish things and you'll use Him in that manner. And as far as people go, rather than loving people, people will take on one or two roles in your life. They're either a nuisance because they're keeping you from getting where you want to go 
or you use them to get where you want to go. And that's what happens outside of understanding the importance of biblical rest. And again, I, I will define rest for you as we go, but it's more than just taking a day off. It's about understanding and remembering how God has created things and what He's done and what people are like and the value that people have and the dignity that people have and how God wants to relate with us on that level. And so we need to understand that in this whole process. Let me read you the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments out of Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land your Lord God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So God started all those ten words with, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, saying you don't live anymore in that dysfunctional culture of hurry and work and production I brought you out of that. You're no longer in bondage. You're no longer in slavery. And then he says, he says, you know what? You're going to have no other gods before me, little g gods. Now, God knows there's no other little gods. That They're just, you know, what Egypt had going on. But the people of Israel don't know it yet because they've been trapped in that culture. But what he's saying to them is, you, you don't want to start having these other gods before me because uh, and, and, you'll go right back into that world of production and performance and I haven't created you for that. I've created you to be in relationship with me. And, and so what he's saying, and, and we have to take this in. He said, listen, it's not your performance. I, I have this covenant with you based on relationship. You're not a commodity based on how many bricks you can produce for me. I want to have relationship with you. People are not commodities to be used for endless production, but they're created to be part of relationship. And we can't have authentic relationship if everything is based on production and work. So again, remember, if, if that's how we're coming at this, our relationship with God is about what we can get out of it, and our relationship with others is about what we can get out of it. Instead of enjoying it for what it is, instead of enjoying relationship for the amazing thing that God gave us. God, God was pouring into His people relationships so that there would be a lighthouse to the world. That people would look at the children of God and they would see authentic relationship. People in love with God, not based on performance, and in love with one another and helping one another and encouraging one another. But they, they never took it in. They, they let it get twisted and become a whole bunch of rules about how they could get what they thought they wanted. And that continues to happen. And so we have to be aware of it. You know, the, it's Mother's Day. We're told to honor mother and father. The idea behind that is family and the importance of family and relationships and, and the importance of friendships. 
What a blessing it is to be in relationship. Uh, my wife and I. So we've been married uh, 97 years this year. And uh, yeah, I know, we look young. Um, 36 years. Uh, and uh, it, we, we have fun, you know, and, and it's been a, you know, it's a, an experience. It's two people trying to figure it out. And there's, so there's been all sorts of times, you know, but, but we've stuck it through. We have a great family. We have, you know, a lovely daughter and lovely son, lovely grandkids, in-laws, everything. It's all, it's all really good. Um, but it's a blessing. And, and Alice and I were laughing how, how God sort of works everybody together. So this week, I was busy around the house. I was doing some projects and stuff. I said, listen, let's, you know, let's eat dinner like at 4.30 or 5 because that's when we eat dinner. And then uh, after dinner, I, I've got about an hour's worth of work I want to do on the computer. And then we're going to watch this movie. And she goes, that's really pushing it. What do you mean? And she, she said, I, I said, well, you know, we'll start at 7. She goes, no, that's too late to start watching a movie. <laughs> so it's, it's only an hour and a half movie. She goes, yeah, we've got to start at 6.30. <laughs> and I started to laugh because it's very true but there was a time I can remember when, you know, you wouldn't even think about if we were going to do anything that night till about 8 o'clock. Uh, and now we're judging that, well, it's, well, we better start that 90-minute movie by 6.30 or we won't be awake at the end. So I just chuckled because we, we've been, you know, it, it's together. But what a joy uh, it is to be involved in relationship. What a, what a gift. Uh, people are not commodities. What, what a joy it is to have family, to have friends, to to have a church. It's a gift. It's a blessing. We have to see it that way. But if we don't understand rest, I don't think we ever really do. It just sort of gets put into our schedule. And so, and again, rest is more than a day off. We're going to explain that as we go. It's something bigger than that. Let me, let me have you think about this this week too. So, Ten Commandments. When, when uh, Jesus was asked what the most important thing, he summarized. He said, love God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? We talk about that all the time. And then love your neighbor is the second one, as yourself. So those first three are about loving God, and the last six about loving others. That leaves number four for us. But number four is where you learn and how you love yourself, is that you get into a place of rest with God so that you're not all stressed out, but you begin in Him to experience peace and joy in your life. And doesn't that sound like a deal, Right? But we're so busy, we're missing it. So you need to be thinking about that as we head on into uh, the week ahead. So anyway, let me finish. Last point. Oh, I wanted, so I had you write that thing. Here's, Here's the deal. Here's what God wants from us. God is not looking for your bricks. He's looking for you. That's what God wants. God just wants you. Isn't that cool? These These false gods were just didn't care about people at all, but God just wants you to be in relationship with you. And, and so what we have to ask ourselves is this, last point, where am I still in Egypt? And what I mean like is, is, you know, ask God to really search your heart and say, you know, where am I stuck in that cultural bondage to the busy and the hurry and, the, and not really caring about people, just trying to get what I want? And say, you know, God, where is it? Is it my relationship with my kids? Is it in my is it in my marriage? Is it in my health? Is it in my finances? Where is it? God, show me where I need to be delivered once again so that I can know your rest and your peace because I want to be set free. And I put the scripture in your notes from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 in the message. And I want you to read through this during the week. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, if you, if you read that message and you go, yeah, that doesn't sound like that's not good, then, then we're not going to connect. But if you read that and you go, that's exactly what, what I want in life. That's a perfect picture of what life should be like. Then, then keep working through that this week. Read through it and then, and then come back. And we're going we're gonna to talk about more about how to get there in the weeks ahead. But that's enough for today. Ministry team, those of you that are here, when you head over that wall, people on the way over there are here to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you as a group. And then we'll have lunch. I think we've got good lunch today. Not that we don't normally, but... I, I think it's Cuban pork again, and beans and rice, and oh, yeah. We'll see what happens. Now I've said that, and they're like, oops. <laughs> They'll be back running into the kitchen. Let me pray. Papa, thank you for your love for us. How much you love us, God. You, we are not commodities to you. Created for relationship. Yes, God, just, just to be with you. We don't care about how many bricks we bring. And I pray, Papa, that, that you would just help us to settle in that. And that, that not only would it change us, but it would change the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome God. If you need prayer for anything today, healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations, let someone pray for you over there. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us here. You've sinned. Asking God to forgive you, which you'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Best decision you'll ever make.